I can use that word, is a little stronger on me today, simply because I believe what the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father desires for us is of such importance and really so hard for the natural man to grasp. I want to make sure that our hearts are open, and I cover in the next few months most probably what I believe God has put on my heart and has been stirring in me, most of the time stirring in me when I say that, and probably for all of us, many times He's stirring within us, but we don't even know it. On the road to Emmaus, the disciples said, didn't our hearts stir within us? We didn't really understand it until there was a certain time, then God reveals why that takes place. Many times there's a stirring or a boiling within you or maybe just passing thoughts that we're not really aware of. At those times we are to maintain a relationship with the Lord until that vision or purpose becomes clear. I believe Hosea says sometimes the vision is not clear. But wait for it. Wait for it. It will make itself clear. And I think many times, and I think the end sign of the end times is, the love of many will grow cold simply because we just don't want to wait. We have other things contending. I got this press and this press and I want to do this. <clears throat> but I believe unless we can clearly understand God's purpose, because I'm not sure if we can clearly understand, well, anything here in this world. But for sure, the Bible even makes it clear, at this time we will only know in part, no matter how much you know, even Paul says, I knew a man that was caught up to the third heaven. He saw things that were forbidden to speak here in this earth. But yet he continued to do the work. But even then he said, well, I speak this by permission. I see this. There's some direction there. <clears throat> I don't think we are ever going to know totally the, the fullness of who God is and his character. <clears throat> ha, 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 ha. This is not medicine. It's <clears throat> stuff mint so I think it's sometimes because it's I'm going to use another word maybe somewhat impossible for us to really know God here completely but God does not leave us alone he gives us the Holy Spirit he gives us the word and he continues to give us revelation of how to walk in that <clears throat> now let's turn our Bibles to John I believe it's John. Where did I see that? John, the 8th chapter. Yes. And I believe many times we miss the revelation of God. There's a stirring. The Holy Spirit moves upon us. There's things that happen in our life that seem to be, God, why is this happening? There seems to be something happening. Or maybe we get a feeling. We're not sure in many different ways how it comes. But... Many times because we have not anchored ourselves in the purpose of God, then we really miss God's revelation, if I can say that, or God's final direction for the time that He wants us to have now. So I believe our ears need to be open. The eyes of our understanding need to be open. We need a spirit of wisdom and revelation because what I'm going to speak is not what I'm going to speak, but what Jesus is going to speak. They're words of life. They're spirit and their truth, and your understanding, the natural man, will have no profit. As a matter of fact, is going to say, well, I think that's ridiculous. I don't want to do that. 
But deep within us, as we're speaking these next times to come, there needs to be something, and not something, someone. Because really the only one that can serve God completely is the Holy Spirit. And that's why we had to be born again. Because the Spirit of God... See, it's not my Spirit that bears witness. It's the Spirit of God in me that bears witness. This is the truth. He's speaking truth. The Spirit of God is the only one in human in the human being, if you're born again, that can serve the Father. He knows the Father. So, if I do not yield or have a relationship or through the understanding of the Scripture come to a place that God has apprehended me, then the voice of the Holy Spirit will become this kind of a strange thing. Now, <clears throat> many times I believe we hear a strange voice. And I think it's the Holy Spirit many times. But because it's just like it's, we haven't anchored ourselves in the purpose of God, we let those things go, and our lives are not changed. Now, uh, John 8, verse 42. Jesus said unto them, If God were your Father, we would, you would love me. For I proceed forth from and came from God, and neither came I from myself, but he that sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Why don't you understand what I'm saying? Because you don't understand, you can, because you cannot hear the words that I speak. Now see, there's something Jesus is speaking that they're saying, we cannot hear that, we cannot hear that. Therefore, they remain what? Without understanding. Here the Holy Spirit, God Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking truth. They refuse or will not hear a certain thing. Therefore, the understanding is like, as a matter of fact, they say, man, this guy's got a devil. I don't, he's, he's, he's wrong. We've got to kill this man. They will refuse to be chained or allow God to apprehend them so they can really hear the message that Jesus is preaching. Now, I believe many times, unless we have that transformational switch, that I no longer trust myself, but I trust in the living God. As a matter of fact, I do trust myself. I do trust myself to be contrary to God continually unless the Holy Spirit intervenes in my life. So many times you say, well, I don't understand that because there's something you refuse to hear. And therefore, my, just, I, I can't understand that. It'd be like if you're trying to teach math. Two plus equals four. Well, I don't know what that means if you never understand. Oh, it's two plus two. Ah, now I understand that. But because we have this battle that goes on within us, the flesh against the spirit. Now, Galatians makes it very clear that there are two natures in us. And they are opposed to one another. The spiritual man and the carnal man. As a matter of fact, the natural man, Galatians says, persecutes the child of the spirit. So here we have the spirit of God. We're born again. We're the inheritors of all things with Christ Jesus. But the natural man, just always like persecuting, don't do this and don't do this and you can't do that, and continually needs to rise up. Now, what was God's command to Abraham about that? Now, do you remember that? Now, this Galatians goes back to the book of Genesis, where you had Esau, Esau, no, Isaac and Ishmael, the son of promise, and Esau, the natural child, Ishmael. 
What did I say? Oh, Ishmael. I like Esau better. But God says to Abraham, actually his wife says to Abraham, but see, Abraham has learned his lesson before not to listen to his wife. That's how he got in the predicament in the first place. So he, list, he said, no, and then God said, okay, this time you can listen to your wife. Good thing, like that's why I said, Val, 50% of the time you should listen to your wife. The other 50% of the time you might have to say no. Just learn which side that is. <coughs> so God says to Abraham, do what Sarah says. Put out the child of the flesh. Why? Galatians makes it clear. Because as long as the child, the natural child, the natural man is there, the spiritual man cannot inherit the promises. So many times we are walking around under persecution, not receiving the promises because we're not putting away the natural man. Now, <clears throat> this kind of came to me, like I said, and I think I... The Bible says that your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. <clears throat> I don't know if I've ever seen a vision. I'm not sure if I've really had a dream that was of any value. <clears throat> But the other morning, I think it was the morning, I, I kind of woke up kind of in a profound way, if that's it, like, I, I know something happened to me, I know something. And I had, like, a dream. Now, do you know what that confirms? I'm an old man. Okay. <clears throat> and I began to see that the, this, we, as natural people, continually fight against God. Now, I said, well, sure, that's right, right. But how do I do that, then? See, the natural man, everything God does is, con is contrary to my natural man. Now, <clears throat> and I began to see that. Now, I'm not sure see, what I'm trying to wonder. Should I tell you the punchline now? Not the punchline, but the, well, and then build up, or should I build up and then tell you what the result is? <clears throat> I'll tell you the way it happened. I began to think, well, okay, what does that mean? And I said, naturally, do you know what I do? See, and we're going to get into God's purpose. See, unless I understand God's purpose... And most of the time, I really am ruled by my natural man and what I think because it's such a strong tendency. It's so overpowering that, see, Jesus couldn't just give us a law. Jesus couldn't, God couldn't just give us some things to keep. We had to be killed and be resurrected in the newness of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> and I pray now, like Jesus said, I hope that you can have some understanding by hearing the words that I'm speaking. And I hope they're not my words. I hope they're the words of the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm looking at this thing of the purpose of God. What keeps people, or what, I'm going to use people, from just doing their own thing. See, from just kind of, well, there's a purpose that needs to be in our lives. That that purpose, when, every else, when everything else seems dark, or every, my voice is crying, we're going to look at things like this, that purpose keeps me, I'm going to use a word we haven't committed to what God has. Regardless of my understanding, regardless of what I believe God had to do, <clears throat> there's something that takes place. So I began to think of, well, how then? Because it's easy to say, oh, yes, yes, the natural man, we, we, don't, we don't serve God. And really there's no consequences to that. <clears throat> okay, put that on the shelf because now I'm going to go back to another principle or actually see another principle. Because like I said, this is very difficult for me because I think they all build on one thing. And as I, like I said, I'm sharing with you these things that are, I believe God is giving to me. I hope they will become clear as we share about them. In the beginning, God 
God is. The Bible isn't here to prove God, make you believe in God. It just says God is. If we read the book of Genesis, what does God... I don't even want to use this word because he really doesn't... God really doesn't do anything until a certain period of time. In the beginning, and God said, let there be light. And there's light. He said, let there be trees. There's trees. And there is no interaction. There is no relationship. It's simply God being who He is, doing miracles. He says, let there be light, there's light. Let there be oceans, there's oceans. Let there be... And these things happen. As soon as man is created, there's a word that comes into being and into existence, which ultimately fulfilled God's purpose, that we don't see ever before. And the word is do. See, God then begins to have a relationship with man that man actually starts to... What does he do? He does things. See, then from God then from saying, let there be, let there be, just being who he is, and sometimes we get this kind of whole idea that we just kind of want to have this being relationship with God. You know, why doesn't God just exude over me? Why doesn't he just say this to me? Why doesn't he just show up? Because that's not the way that he's going to do things since he created man. And remember, when he creates man, he says, let us create man in our image. So when Adam and Eve are created, there's a word called do that happens. And with do, there's also a what? Don't. So there's the do's and don'ts that come into play. Adam's created. I want you to do something. I want you to name the animals. I want you to <coughs> eat of this tree and not of this tree. I want you to now. <coughs> Since that has happened, man now, God has a relationship with man. Before he doesn't seem to have a relationship with light, there's just all these things happening. He speaks in there so. When man is created, the word do and don't seem to come into play. <clears throat> God then begins to have a relationship with man. And ever since that time, there is these do's and don'ts or a relationship that goes on. And I believe it's in those that relationship that we have is that we can begin to find out God's purpose and <clears throat> have that relationship be established. Now, what broke the relationship between Adam and and God. Very more clearly. It's what he... It's what he... Say it a little... Yeah. It's what he did. Yes. So man then shows his love, shows his honor, shows his respect, shows his commitment by what he does or doesn't do. Matter of fact, Jesus actually, and Keith Green songs about this, the sheep and the goats, they're going to be judged on what? What they did or didn't do. <clears throat> now, don't, don't, go, don't let the devil race ahead, because I'm not talking about salvation by works. I'm talking of fulfilling God's purpose and loving Him. Since man has been created, there is a purpose, well, before that, but when man was created, it was created for God's purpose. <clears throat> and all through history, then God is bringing His church together 
to fulfill his purpose. Now, let's turn our Bibles to um, Colossians, I believe. Yes, Colossians, the first chapter. <coughs> K, the C one. Colossians. <coughs> Colossians, first chapter. I don't know, is that it? I'm not sure if that's it. I think it may, let's see, let's see what Ephesians chapter 122 says. I've got these things. <coughs> They're both very similar, but I want to make sure. Okay, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Thank you. Ephesians chapter 1, 22. Now, God is going to be revealing His plan and Himself to us by His purpose and for in that purpose then to have a relationship with Him as He deals with mankind in a relationship. See, now we talk about, oh, it's a relationship. But how many of us really have a relationship with Jesus? Or is it more of a mystical thing that he kind of like has with the stars and the fish and, you know, the atmosphere? That's not the relationship that he wants for his church. He doesn't want a mystical relationship. He said when he made man, he did something different. He didn't just speak. He did. And he molded man out of the earth and breathed into him. There was an interaction that God wants and He wants that same interaction with us. There's some do's and don'ts that let me know that I'm walking with God. In, in Deuteronomy, we see this all throughout the Scripture. Even Jesus talks about it. <clears throat> Deuteronomy, you, you stay where you are, Ephesians, because we don't want to lose that page. But I think it's, we need to get this idea down. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, chapter 6. There's something now that God is interacting with us <clears throat> for us to be able to divide between the soul and the spirit and not walk as the natural man. But many times, because we do not hear His words, we don't understand what He's saying, the words that we hear become repugnant, and we actually don't do what God wants to do because we're deceived thinking we are doing what He wants to do. But that is erroneous. There has to be a relationship where God says, this is what I'm doing, then you respond in doing that. And that means we have a relationship. If that is not the bedrock of if practicing the Word... And leaning not to our own understanding is not the bedrock, then pretty soon we're off being able to do pretty much whatever we want in this mystical relationship. God doesn't save light. God doesn't save darkness. God doesn't save fish. He doesn't save creatures. He doesn't save, He only saves mankind. And if you have another relationship, it's not the one that He redeemed us to have. He wants an ongoing relationship that means commitment. That means I put away the natural life which, is, and which always persecutes the spirit. The spiritual man is kind of the, I don't know, the, the, the weaker one in the natural. You know, you had Jacob and Esau. Esau's the hunter. Hairy arms, nice color. Hunter does things. Jacob was kind of a wuss. <clears throat> Esau was going to tear him apart. But Jacob had to be prudent. Prudent in order to get the inheritance. 
You can't fight the flesh with the flesh. You'll lose every time. Oh, yeah, you want me to take those stones in the bread? I'll make them into bread. You're going to be there? That's why the Bible says, do not repay evil for evil. Not the way to do it. But what's, isn't that the natural reaction? <clears throat> now, we do not understand God's purpose in what He has done through the resurrection and forming His church. Then what we will have, this is what I said, well, Lord, like I said, I had this kind of a dream. And I said, well, then how do people really disrespect you? How do we really not serve you? Because I mean, everybody, how many people, with every eye closed, you don't have to raise your hand, how many people believe you're serving God in your heart? Okay, but that's fairly irrelevant. God says present your bodies, a relationship He wants. There has to be some sacrifice in us to show the love of God, to glorify God. And how are we to do that? We are to first offer up the flesh. In the, in the, even in the tabernacle, what was the first sacrifice? The sacrifice was always the burning of the flesh before they would go in once to the Holy of Holies, to the spiritual sacrifice. Offer up the, the natural child before you offer up the spiritual first sacrifice. I, Ishmael was offered and kicked out before he offered Isaac. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 6. <clears throat> Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. Thou shalt love thy God, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your there's a do, isn't it? You should love the Lord with all your what? Soul, heart, might. And the Bible says it another way. Present your to have spiritual sacrifice, body, soul, and spirit. See now all these three things must be working together. I began to think of, Lord, how then do we really not practice your word? How then can I really start to become a disciple or really understand your purpose? How can I have that mind in me that's also in Christ Jesus? What, where is it that people can really then serve God or not serve God? <clears throat> Jesus said, it, what you've done to the least of these you've done unto me. <clears throat> God has a great purpose to which we are called. That purpose needs to be what apprehends me, what changes my hearing of a word that I can have understanding. Because without understanding, it's just a nice, oh, that's a nice word, that's a nice word. But there is not like, man, I've been grasped. Paul says, I've been apprehended. By Christ. Therefore, what's, what does Paul do? He does something. We're going to actually see Paul, one of Paul's first response to the vision of Jesus Christ, or actually the, the person of Jesus Christ. Do you know what Paul asks? The first thing he asks, besides who are you? And it's, it's very interesting to see what Jesus' response is. Now, I'm way ahead of myself. <clears throat> I'll give you the, the coming attractions. Paul says, what do you want me to do for you. Not, oh wow, I just... He understood this relationship that God wanted with man that, Lord, what do you want me to do? Now, 
gives him a kind of silly answer. But see, because he had his, he was able now, his understanding was changed. He was able to hear what he couldn't hear a few days before, a few hours before, where he was going to persecute and was persecuting the church. He now heard something, and he said, what do you want me to do? <clears throat> that same question is asked on the day of Pentecost where 5,000 get saved and they were pricked to the heart. Have you ever been pricked to the heart? Sometimes here in the meeting and said, oh man, or you're reading, oh God, I want to serve you. Well then, you know what the men said? What do we do to be saved? Straightway, he said, repent and be baptized. They went out to the river and they baptized 5,000. There's a doing in response. How then do I love the Lord? Ephesians chapter 1. And he hath put all things under his feet. Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He has put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Now, how do you see the church? It's very important. See, if you don't understand what you're looking at, that's what Jesus had to say. He said, why did you go out to the river to be baptized by John? What were you looking for? Were you looking for some king in, in fancy-dancy clothes? You're not going to find him there. Were you looking for some weakling over here? Were you looking for a prophet? And he began to reveal what they should have been seeing. Because many people, you know, something new, they're just looking at. They didn't understand what they were seeing. They didn't understand that this was the, the Spirit of God moving, preparing the way of the Lord. And, and he says, what did you come to see? See, many times, why are we here? We tend to forget. Well, it's just a church. I go to church here, and it's a good thing. Or is this what he says? See, <clears throat> I'm going to read this whole thing here. Verse, <clears throat> verse 15. Because I believe it's a prayer that we should be praying all the time. Because the, nat the, the natural tendency is after some period of time, no matter how exciting, no matter what you have seen, you might have seen ten plagues on Egypt, you might have seen being fed with manna. You might see pillars of smoke and fire. But pretty soon, that's not what's going to keep you. <clears throat> we need to be praying because the natural man says, oh man, we just get bored. And we start to look for other things. I don't know, like I said, I don't know if this was Adam and Eve's problem. I think just being people, we tend to like new and exciting things. I mean, here they were, they're created, they're perfect in God. Maybe they just got bored. They wanted something new. I mean, here's all the animals, the zebras and this, that, and the tree. Boy, we never ate of that tree. I wonder what it's like. We let some other thoughts come in. Because even in the garden, it was able for the devil to talk to them. See, many times we think, well, I'm hearing some voices. must be God. I'm, I'm telling you what. I think, you know, the devil and wicked things in your own natural man is doing a whole lot of talking. And we need to say, well, wait a minute. God never told me that. But this is what he did tell me. These are the things that I can do. And I pray this prayer almost continually. I pray it. You hear me pray it all the children. I pray it for you. <clears throat> Paul prayed it because he understood that without the revelation of the Holy Spirit, without the Spirit of God ministering to you today and you having a relationship with Him, unless you are doing something with Him today, you're going to be doing some don'ts that you should be. Either you're going to be eating of this tree or that tree. Either you're going to be obeying God or you're not. 
And it's only through that sacrifice of putting, having that mind in me that was in Christ Jesus that I understand God's purpose to a degree that I practice it. Okay? Wherefore, in verse 15, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love for all saints. Now, he's commending the church here at Ephesus. They're good brethren. They have strong faith. They're loving one another. But he says, I'm going to pray for you nevertheless. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you my prayers always. Now, one of the great things to do, because sometimes in the doing, you actually get understanding. See, that's why I think James talks about it. See, faith without works is what? Dead. Faith coupled with works produces God's will and love in your life. That's why faith, Right, you have faith in that? You see, this was going on back then. Oh, praise God, we don't have to do anything. We just believe in the Lord. He says, no, that's not correct. See, what if Abraham, when was Abraham justified? Not when he, he, was, he was justified before God when he was called, but his righteousness was inferred to him when he obeyed. So faith without works is, according to the Bible, <clears throat> dead. But what does the vo- inner voice in you say? No, 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 that's not really true. I mean, did anybody hear that as I'm preaching? No, he's making... No, that's... James. Now, James is the brother of the Lord Jesus, right? Is that him or the cousin? Or Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a close relative. <clears throat> That's why he gets to write a book in the Bible and you don't. But James is a pillar in the church. And this is what? This is true faith. But see, again, we have this thing that, that Proverbs says, beware, lean not to your own understanding. Oh, faith without works. Yes, but we know. Wait a minute. No, that's what it says. So now, Lord, let me, with you, have that relationship that you are producing these good works and I am yoked with you and I will walk in that. And in the walking of it, you keep me in your will. That's why the Bible says walk and don't faint. One of the probably most unexciting things in the, thing, in the world to do is walking. They that walk shall not be weary. <clears throat> Keep walk. That's what Abraham did. Be pretty easy, to, especially in the desert. I mean, even here in the desert, you walk for about thirty seconds, a minute and a half at the most, and you are t- sweaty and tired. You shall walk and not be weary. And he walks with me. That's not. I want to be on the roller coaster of life and praise God. No, there's gonna. Maybe you'll have moments of that. They shall run and not be weary too. They they shall walk and not faint. But most of the time, you're going to be walking. You know, and it's like, unless, you, unless you're one of the speed walkers. You know, it's not, real, it's not real fun to watch. Even then, it looks a little weird. Walking with the Lord, having a relationship with Him, doing those things that He has shared with you. So, one of the things we can do, the Bible says it here real clearly, <clears throat> cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers always. Now, the Bible gives us a, a clear instruction. And I, I've never liked this one. And I've grown to dislike it more and more simply because of the shortcomings in my life. The Bible says, in everything, give thanks. I don't like that. Well, I have to, I have to put out the, the Ishmael person. It says, in everything and for everything, give thanks. Now, I'm going to guarantee you, probably even before this meeting is over, if it hasn't already happened, but definitely today and in, this, in, a, in, this, in your life, there's going to come things in this life that are going to come up against that Scripture. 
you now have a choice to do or not do. Okay? And we're going to look at that in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I want to look at that today, so we're going to get there. Oh, yeah. Give thanks. How many do we actually make that a practice? When you look around this room, have you noticed sometimes that even in, in now again there's something weird that happens in a relationship. Relationships are no good. Now I'm saying that as a, as a natural man, see. But God, what does He do? He doesn't have a relationship with anything else. He wants a relationship with man. Even though that relationship is going to go sour, even in that relationship it's going to cost Him sending his own son, even when that relationship is misunderstood and, and it goes awry, he wants that relationship with man so that we can love him and we can fulfill God's purpose in our lives. There comes this time where here comes something up against. Now, at that point, what do you do? This is, this is going to be the, the critical... Jim Durkin used to talk about a switch or a lever or a key. This is the critical lever. Because there's going to come times in your life you will not know what the will of God is. And I'm going to look, we're going to look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, particularly in the garden, where he prays. And, 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 but he understands this one concept or this one truth, that God is working in his life, regardless of whether he knows to do this or to do that. God is working, and He must continually work with the Lord. Now, that needs to also be in you. Now, there's going to come times that you will not feel like giving thanks. You'll probably even grumble and complain maybe a little bit, or maybe even a lot. You might want to take your ball and go home. But it's when you do with your faith that it becomes a living thing in you, and you get understanding. Well, man, I'm just, I don't like those people in church. I don't believe... You're not understanding because you're refusing to hear something that will take Ishmael out of your life. <clears throat> Again, it's not an easy thing. Abraham, when he was told to get rid of Ishmael, did what? He complained. He said, I don't want to do that. That's my little boy. He's 13 years old. I love him. He looks like me. He's... It was hard for him to do. God is asking us to remain a spiritual person, not walking naturally. So, here's something we can do. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you my prayer always. Wow, am I thankful for? I put in the name. Am I praying for them? Wow, Lord, help me. So Paul here is praying then for the church, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. Why does he pray that? He says they're saved, they're walking God. He says, I want you to continually be open to be able to hear something you may not ever be able to hear up until now. I want you not to grow cold and not to draw back, not to grow waxed gross in your heart. I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation because as you go on in life, the natural tendency, like I said, even if you've seen miracles and say, we're not going in and taking a land. I've had it. I don't like Moses. This is going on. The church is. That is. Nope. I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation because many times, and we even see as the revelation gets more and more clear, it may cost you more and more. See. <clears throat> the eyes of your understanding, okay, this, we need a spirit of Him, knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. 
See, again, well, we read that's a very nice thing, but is that something I can practice? What is the riches? Again, there's a spirit, a mindset, a thought that I believe needs to be continually bombarded against because it is nowhere found in the, in, in the heart of God, but yet we continue to cleave to it. It is not even found in the Lord Jesus Christ. We continue to cleave to it that I can have a special relationship with God without the church. If this ultimately was God's great purpose, He would have made an island for each of us and put us there and had, I want you to just have a really nice relationship with me. He would have made monasteries, a planet for everybody. But He doesn't. He doesn't. That's something we've got to get to. We're not excited yet about it. Because deep within us, we want to be left alone. And actually, that's a curse. That's actually a curse. The children of Israel who, were, who, didn't, who didn't do what they were supposed to do, one of the greatest curses that could ever be put on them, actually almost or above death, was put them out and have nothing to do with them. Isn't that what the Bible talks about even in the New Testament? And some of us go, oh, we ain't, praise God. Now, I think that started back with uh, Cain. What was Cain's curse? Get out from on these people. You're going to walk around like a vagabond and everybody's going to, you're not going to have, see, my mentality needs to change. <clears throat> because some of us like to hide. And we need to work on that. <clears throat> the inheritance in the saints. Well, then I have to take on a different mentality. Well, wait a minute. Now, so has the church ever been irritating to you? It was irritating to Jesus. It was irritating to the disciples. Of no consequence. It's actually meant to do that. Because there's things in you that need to be perfected. Paul talks about, I'm making up the suffering that's still lacking in the body of Christ. Some of us don't want to enter into the suffering, therefore we're not growing. We're living a natural life. Our eyes aren't open to see the fullness of what God has. <clears throat> we're not saying, I have an inheritance. Where is my inheritance? Well, it's here. This is where God has placed it. <clears throat> Some of us are just waiting to go to heaven. You should go like to a, a rest stop or someplace, a bus, and wait there. It'd be much better. But we are not here to be waiting. We are here to be working in the kingdom of God and having His purpose fulfilled in our life. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? There is a great power working in you. Are you working with that power, though? See, Paul says, I labor more abundantly than all with that power that works within me. For what reason? To fulfill God's purpose to see the church be the fullness of Him that fills all in all. Which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places. <coughs> I'm sorry for my coughing. For taking that. But if you read this thing, it's like a great... What do they call that? Um, no, crescendo in uh, classical music. It's just building in the glory of God and Jesus is doing this and I pray for you and I pray for you and it's like, it's like a scoop of ice cream on top of another scoop of ice cream and a whipped cream and a marshmallow. And he ends up with something that we kind of like dismiss. 
But if we're following the trend of this thought, he's saying, and now for the ultimate crown of why you died, of what the ultimate reward of why I have raised you from the dead, not that you're seated at my own right hand, not that you would do this, not that the inheritance, but I have now placed you to be the head of the church, which is your body, the fullness of Him that fills all in all. Now there comes days that I don't think the church is the fullness of Him that fills all in all. Sometimes I look out and go, when are those knuckleheads going to get it? Man, why don't they get it? Man, I don't know what, and I don't see this, and I don't see that. But then i got to come back and say, that's what he said. Well then, change me to see that. See, and I said again, as I said, I had this kind of a dream. I said, well, how do people then disrespect God? Well, let's turn to the book of Acts. <clears throat> the fullness is his body. What is the church? Oh, that's just a nice meeting place. They have some nice people there. They give some good... No, no, you're not, you're not, you will not be able to hear. Did I offend you? you <laughs> did you? No, they're going out the car. <clears throat> you will not be able to hear the words that I'm speaking because your life has not been changed. You're going to hear things that are saying, man, I'm not going to put up with that. And you don't. Jesus never came to steal your rights. Jesus n- never came to force you to do anything. Jesus came that you would have a life and that life more abundantly and, and have a relationship with Him that the fullness of God's purpose <clears throat> would be fulfilled in you. Now before we turn to Acts, I think we better speak what that purpose is. <clears throat> I believe it's in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians is a good book. Is it in chapter 3? Yes, chapter 3. I am... I don't want to mince words. I don't think I would have a relationship with Jesus Christ unless it was through the church. I'm thankful that I do have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But ultimately, that relationship is brought to maturity and His purpose is completed through His body, the church. And if I don't see that, then I see the church growing ever, ever weaker and an annoyance interrupting my time. I've got other things to do. I don't like what they're saying. And all those things may be true in the natural level. But the purpose of God is to be fulfilled in the church. If I let that purpose grab hold of me, no matter what comes in my mind or emotions, I ride that through. Just like Noah said, the the waters were up and down, and the boat was like this, and he rode that through, and he made it. There's going to come some things in your life, I guarantee it, you're going to just have to just stop if you want to see God's purpose fulfilled in your life. There's going to come some things that you're just going to have to say, I understand that by faith, and I agree to that, and I'm going to do that because I believe this more than myself. I believe this to be more important than my daily food. Lord, keep me through this. Like I said the other day, there's times I come, many times. One of the biggest ones was, like I said, over in, not the biggest one, but the recent one was in Turkey. I just said, man, I just can't stand it anymore. I can't handle it anymore. I don't want to be preaching in Turkish. I don't want to be dealing with this stuff. I just, man, what's going on? I just... 
you do what you're supposed to do, and that's my purpose for you. Paul's word was, I'll show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. If you do not understand that Christ is working in his church for his purpose, then it's very easy to let yourself rise up as the master of your own destiny and say, well, no, I don't believe that. Well, I see this, and I don't. Jesus Christ never did that, nor are we to do that. We're to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our body, with all our might. And in doing that, my mind is transformed to say, oh, man, that's what he's talking about. I'm seeing something that many people will not see. I'm like, they're going to think Jesus is crazy. They're going to think you're, sometimes you'll even think you're crazy. But we're to grab hold of the purpose of God. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to start in verse 9 of chapter 3 of Ephesians. <clears throat> verse 8 unto me who am less than the least of all the saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ the word that we're preaching again that's a kind of a funny thing why would you have to God says through the foolishness of preaching we're to be preaching foolishness but to those that the spirit of God is touching like the Pauls like the Peters like the you that will apprehend them to the intent to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Now, <clears throat> talking with the children in chapel, I think we talked about it here too. There is two mysteries at work in the world. The mystery of godliness. Great is the mystery of godliness. This mystery is at work. And the mystery of iniquity does already work. There's two mysteries that are at work. The kingdom of God is not obvious. It doesn't come by observation. When we see Jesus, but it wasn't a halo, and it was by faith that they had to apprehend He was the Messiah. It's by faith that you're going to have to apprehend that Christ is here and Christ. It's by faith that we pray for these little children who are crying and whining and just before hitting their brothers and sisters that God has a purpose for them. It's by faith that we're saying the glory of God is going to be revealed. It's by faith that we're going into all the world to preach the God. Not by, oh, well, now I believe because I see some smart people being added to the church. Well, now I believe because He finally got it. That's not belief. That's just having your emotions and senses stroked. Faith rises up and says, I believe. <clears throat> but the Word of God is saying, there's a mystery at work. God, the, that's why the kingdom of God, he had to say it's by parables. What's the kingdom of God like? Well, it's like a treasure hidden in a what? It's a field. It's a mystery. It's like a yeast hidden in the dough. It doesn't appear to be. And there's another mystery, the mystery of iniquity, the mystery of not fulfilling God's purpose. Everything else that is not God's purpose is not God's purpose and will lead you to destruction and ultimately lead you to not fulfilling the will of God in your life. Regardless of how wonderful or good or how neutral it may see, if it is not the will of God, it is not the will of God. And there are certain things that I must say, you know what, I, change, I don't do that because that is not the direction that God has for me. Now, unless that somehow the Spirit of God rises up within you, as the Bible talks about in, in Romans, it says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit, and we say, yes, Father, yes, hallelujah, that's what I want to do. And there's something now that motivates me besides my own motivation. There's a Spirit of God that says, we are here to fulfill God's purpose. Now, that needs to be grasped so that I can now look out, and we're talking about wisdom, and begin to discern, oh, that's in line with God's purpose. That's not. That is, and I begin to direct my life in that way. 
to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in Christ Jesus who was created who has created all things who is within God who has created all things by Christ where is it it's hidden you know where it's hidden in the church we have this treasure in earthen vessels oh man I just it doesn't take a spiritual man to say oh man church is really I see I, yeah I, that's the same old stuff same, I mean, you, got, you probably got about maybe a list of 20 things of why your church is no good, right? And you, you, you just put on the, you can put on the recording and just go, ah, oh, they're all the same. A bunch of hypocrites. Well, I know how bad they are. They're insincere. The pastor's a dope. He's on an authority trip. There's no discipline. There's too much discipline. Why don't they do something? They do too much. That, that, that's not a spiritual man. The spiritual man was Christ Jesus who though when he looked down through the corridors of time, he would see all... The, and it wouldn't take too much time for the Corinthian church to be written about, right in the Bible. And he said, Father, that's my body, and that's where you're going to fulfill your purpose. I will give my body and my life for your purpose. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Come down off that cross. All your disciples have forsaken you. My purpose is to do the will of God, Jesus said. And everything else from that point becomes, begins to be stripped away. Now, unless you understand that, we talked about in chapel with the children a little bit. There's a, how many people have a favorite fruit? I'm just going to take some time. You know, most of our favorite fruits are weird. How many people like watermelon? I mean, that's one, I mean, people like that. How about pineapple? Pineapple? Coconuts? Bananas? Mangoes. Think about all those fruits. They really look almost inedible. Uh, you know, most of the coconuts we get are brown and little like this. But before you can even get to that part of the coconut, there's an inch and a half husk on them that really needs to be almost chiseled off. Is that correct? They're usually a coconut. Usually is about this big. It's green, and you have to. I mean, you have to rip this thing off with a chisel and. I mean, before you get to the brown part, and you go, man, how about artichokes? Yeah, we all like watermelons. How many people eat the watermelon for the rind? How many people are turned off because it has a rind? Could you imagine a watermelon without a rind? How would you sell it? You know, bananas, you have to peel them. And, and a mango, have you ever eaten a mango skin? I think they get turpentine from mangoes, right? Yeah, they, it's terrible. Yeah. A pineapple. A piney apple. That's what, it, I mean, you can't even touch the thing. Who would even think of eating that? I think there's a mystery at work. Because there might be some watermelon in you, but the rind looks impenetrable. I don't want to touch that piney apple. But this is the way God does things. An orange, too. You have to, almost everything that we eat, that's, <clears throat> especially those good fruits, need to be stripped. God may be saying something to us. Hello, watermelon heads. It's time to look for the fruit and not the rind. But the deal is, that's the way the watermelon comes. That's the way the pineapple comes. It's so that this is... Christ in you comes in a dirty vessel. Christ in you comes with some things that are going to turn people off. 
that's going to be a real problem. And in order for us to get the pineapple, we're going to have to strip away that old man. We're going to have to strip away the outside. I, how many people ever, when they get a watermelon, cry over it? I've got to cut it open. How am I? And I dig into it. We used to, I worked on a farm, and sometimes you'd get a watermelon back, and you just break it over your knee, and it was like 90 degrees in New York, human, and you'd just, oh, like this. And it was so refreshing. And it's a good thing it had a rind. If it didn't have a rind, all that, how would it? See, the things that we actually object to are necessary. And that's what the Bible says. It says that the, 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 the members of the body that are uncomely, they are more necessary for you. Have you thought about that when you were murmuring and complaining against? Oh, that's just the piney apple. You know what? Here's a deep revelation. If you love God and are called according to His purposes, you're just going to have to put up with some stuff. God is going to have to put up with some stuff with Adam and Eve. He puts up with... It ultimately cost Him His life. There's some stuff that if you want to eat pineapple, you're just going to have to put up with it. You're going to have to peel the banana to get to the fruit. What is your vision? Oh, Lord, that's what I want. Then there's certain things that I do simply because that is the way God has directed me. <clears throat> to make, to the intent... Okay, to the intent, for this purpose, that now unto the principality... See, you are not here for your own happiness. I'm just going to tell you that, well, I'm not happy. I don't care. And you know what? I'm going to tell you another thing. I'm just going to speak here. If you don't like it, it's about time you you do something else. God doesn't care if you're happy. Not the way you do. Have you ever whined to God? God, why don't you just do something to make me happy? Anybody here like that besides me? You know, would it be that hard of a thing just to do this? Can't you just... And he has the power. Jesus said, I have the power to call... I can make myself happy right now. I'd love to call down 12 leaves of angels and whip you. Not my purpose. See, your whole purpose needs to be changed. You thought it was all about you and your happiness. That's not what you were called to. Paul was fulfilling his own happiness, his own self-righteousness by persecuting the church. And most of the time when you're fulfilling your own righteousness and your own desires, you're doing exactly what Paul did. Because how else could I disrespect God but by disrespecting His body? By not doing, taking care of His body. It's the fullness of Him that fills all in all. It's His body that He's the head of. And when I am not submitted, committed, and allowing God's purpose to be fulfilled in the body that He has called me, I've disrespected Him. I don't care what the reason is. Well, I was hungry. I just wanted to turn him into bread. Well, I just saw it differently. We're going to look at... I'm going to get to this one scripture because it's very important. To look that the Lord Jesus Christ went through that same thing. <clears throat> we'll finish this in the weeks to come. But let's turn our Bibles to... Luke 22. Because many times we, I, I, I don't know how, like I said, I'm not sure how correct of a understanding or vision of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, that I have. But I will hopefully coming more and more clear. Um, chapter 22 of Luke. Maybe you have this problem also. I don't have a problem with God. 
as long as he's God. Pharisees didn't have a problem with God. I don't have a problem with God and all the good stuff and all, that, all the stuff that God talks about. Don't have a problem with that. I really don't have a problem with people being people. I don't have a problem with man. Man or man, you know, I mean, they're just people. But the great mystery that gets revealed is the God-man. It's when God comes in Christ that the two that were once aliens and strangers are become one is my problem. I have a problem when God is in me and my man wants to do this and God wants to do this and the Son of Man is in this turmoil. Well, man, listen to your conversation. We either talk about people do this, people do that, and I don't know about them, or man, God is doing this, but we rarely talk about the Son of Man, the Christ child, that mature one in us that's like God in man reconciling the world unto himself. It talks about that Jesus in the days when he was here on the earth prayed in that he feared. He knew who could save him from death. Now, <clears throat> chapter four, uh, verse 42. Jesus here is in the garden. In verse 41, and he was with, and he withdrew himself about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. <clears throat> Jesus prayed, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, my will but yours be done. Now again, we kind of say that, but I don't know if we really understand all that is being entailed in that. Now on this one verse, <clears throat> there is two, at least two prevailing thoughts on what Jesus was praying. Some people believe that he was praying to be delivered from the cross because he knew that the great pain that would be coming upon him. And <clears throat> understand here that if you read in verse 43, um, no, in verse 44, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and was his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling from the ground. Another verse says that he, his soul was in exceeding agony. His soul was tremendously torn. He was going through pain we could not understand. His physical body, he was on the verge of death. They believed that when he was praying, so great was the um, pressure that was upon him that the capillaries in his head were breaking and he was bleeding. Almost, uh, He was under such great pressure. And he was praying. And some people believe he was praying, God, deliver me from the cross. Other people believe again, that he was not praying to be delivered from the cross. He's understanding that he, if he continues in this way, he would die before he went to the cross. And he say, Father, I thought you sent me to the cross. But nevertheless, your will be done. Are you, are you following what I mean? He didn't want to die right there. Some people believe that he prayed that God would give him the strength to go to the cross. Other people believe, irregardless, there was obviously... Here in the Lord Jesus Christ, we understand that the Bible, well, we, we hear, that the Bible says He emptied Himself of all things. Here in the garden, Jesus does not know what the will of the Father is. Are you hearing me? Jesus doesn't know what the will of the Father is. He says, should I drink of this cup? If it's your will, remove this cup. Whether it's to die here or to go to, I don't, He says, is obviously out of his control to some extent. He's, he's bleeding. He's on the verge of passing out. He's on a heart attack. 
or to go to the cross. He says, if it be your will, remove this cup. You're going to have things in your life, nothing like this, I'm sure. You're going to say, I don't know what to do. God, what is your will? And he says, nevertheless, not knowing what the will of God is. See, I have a real hard time with everybody being so smart about the will of God. I mean, here Jesus doesn't seem to even totally understand it, but he understands the will of God for his life. He says, God, let your will be done. I continue to do what you've set me to do. That I know what to do. <clears throat> Father, if, it be, if, it, if, you, if you be willing, remove this cup. <clears throat> Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. There has to come a place and there's going to be upheavals in your life and things that you don't understand and say, Lord... I don't know what your will is. Your will be done. Let that govern my life. Because I know that, and like I said, there are things that God tells me what to do and how to walk my life. He says, oh, that I... But whether you take me now or you tell me to the cross, I will continue in the way... I will continue with that commitment. I will continue with that obedience. I will continue with that love. I will continue with your purpose. You make the outcome what you want. But there are certain things that I said that's... I will not do, I cannot do, because that is your will. There's a general understanding of the purpose of God. And then there comes times, just like we see in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, not my will, but yours be done. Basically, Father, I'm going through something here. The outcome is in your hands. You're going to be going through some things here in your life, here in this church, here in the kingdom of God. Let the outcome be in God's hands. You go through what you need to go through to let Christ be formed in you. I believe there needs to be a deep understanding. See, again, this God, man, but now the Bible talks about us being a new creature. We're not just, oh yeah, I knew God over here, and I'm a man. There's a new creation, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that is meant to change you so that... The will of God would be fulfilled. I don't know if we read it today, but it says, Unto Him be glory in the church, world without end. This is God's purpose throughout all eternity. We even read a little bit of in, the, in, in the book of Revelations. The church is praising God and worshiping Him. But now let that by faith operate in you. Oh, through the church, then I, that is a direct word to me. Whether I die here in the garden, whether I go to the cross, what I believe, what I didn't believe, I am not so sure on that. As a man, as, a, as the son of man, he had only seen in part as we see. This I'm not sure about. This I'm not sure about. But Lord, I'm sure that you're to have glory in the church. Lord, I'm sure that my life is not my own. Lord, I'm sure that you then you bring out the outcome. I walk in those things that are clear and evident that I ought to be doing. The outcome, Father, is in your hands and that will glorify you. Never take those outcomes into your own hands. Never say, man, I've just... Lord, these are the things that you've required me to do. And in a relationship, it's based on doing. And that's the way God is, is glorified. And then the weeks to come, we're going to be looking at all the examples and how the Spirit of God works in us to fulfill His purpose. I, I pray that that is somewhat clear. I, I know it's a little abstract, 
But God give you wisdom, and then we'll work that out. Amen, Lord Jesus. Ask your blessing on this in your word and our fellowship at lunch. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs>